We see we never had Greg's at home because I'm from Cornwall and you're not allowed to have a Greg's in Cornwall. I, apparently, there is some kind of law. Yeah, or I don't know how they've done it. Yeah, it's definitely it's not allowed though. It's wow. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Or shall we go to Cornwall? Not my kind of place. No Greg's. Back to the drag, back to the drag, back to the drag, back to the drag. Listen, I could talk about pasties all day long. I'm Davina. And I'm Ricky. And welcome to Fierce Slay Talk. A decamp podcast where we'll be catching up with some familiar faces from the drag world and beyond. Whilst delving deeper into the obstacles life has thrown at them in the journey of becoming fabulous. So shall we begin? He's a writer, performer, award winner, commentarian, divisor, and all-round dapper chap. He's a drag idol and king among men. It's Louis Cipher. Woo! <laughs> now, before we start, though, I, uh-huh. because I know I'm going to say it wrong, how do we say your name? Because you've been very clear about this, that there is a specific way to say this okay. name and stop calling it something else. It's the spelling. It's the way that people spell it. Oh, okay. Oh, so did I get it right or wrong? Yeah, Louis Cipher, babe. So it's a, is it a silent S? <laughs> it doesn't matter. The Louis or Louis, I'm not bothered about. It's just the way it's spelt because I put capital letters in to spell Lucy. And it's like, oh, I've just, I think it's my dyslexia on hypercharge because it says like Lucy is Louis Cipher all in that one word. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, somebody thought about their name before they before they put it together. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, babe. Well, you know, God who went you these days. (laughs) Like this year has been fully crazy for performers everywhere. So what have you been doing? to try and deal with that? You know, how have you been coping with it? Whilst we've been locked down, I've been writing music with a composer friend of mine, Luke Potts, who's been writing some original stuff. And um, I've been like looking into like virtual reality and performing there, like oh. in drag. So oh, wow. like, okay. I'm trying to like mess around with the world and everything that we learn online and, and from doing online performances, I'm trying to pull into like live, theatre and work with like projection mapping and virtual reality and remote performers in different countries but all in the same show wow wow okay so the music that you've been writing what what is that is that dealing with something specific or is it uh are you writing an album is this like i'm gonna become a pop star or a rock star or is it you know there's something more going on than I love you and you love me. <laughs> it's quite like um, I, I've just been taking like, all the things I've been thinking about, really, and a lot of it is like uh, politics-based stuff. So turning it into like there's a song called "Devil's Fairground," which talks about how the politicians mess around and leave you to blame and everyone else is to blame, which is so current right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's songs like uh, one is called Chemical Confidence, which is talking about. um... This all sounds very Eminem. Oh, thanks, babe. (laughs) It's more like more like Kaiser Chiefs 
more like that kind of energy. Okay. It's very like, um, and yeah, chemical chemical confidence is about like taking drugs, but as if it was a woman who was like tempting you, and you just can't say no. And it's like all of the things that I'm putting in the album are gonna become part of one big gig theater show. And it's going to okay. tell the story, like using Louis. Louis's going to be the character, but it's going to be telling the story of a guy who like thrusts into fame and like ends up taking um, taking drugs, and then it all goes terribly wrong, and they have to try and put the pieces back together and, and find themselves. So, okay, perfect. Sounds interesting. So it's not Spice Girls. No, definitely it's not. not. Sod, babe. No, <laughs> no, but it's not like heavy, heavy, heavy either. It's sort yeah. of like a really honest look at modern life, not trying to cut okay. around the gritty edges of what reality is. Love that. Yeah, that's it. And you've been busy. You just mentioned um, that you had a role in Death Drop as well with loads of other drag royalty. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I got to play Tory MP Rich Whiteman, the Conservative MP for <laughs> I've seen a picture. It's very good. Oh, my God. Well, look my hair, my bloody hair. Like, <laughs> for people listening, I still look like a floppy Richard E. Grant because hairdressers are closed. But he um, he's an absolute gem of a character to play. I play him in a really, like, comical sort of Monty Python-esque way. So he'll, like, pull himself up off the chair and he's just quite grotesque in his body and also in his attitudes, particularly to women. <laughs> it's great to play as a drag as a drag artist to play like that privilege is just mental was there was there a specific uh real life person that you were drawing on in order to to kind of delve and build this character absolutely darling <laughs> you may all know him his name's boris <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i do boris but as if he wasn't bumbling as if he was a bit like more um Boris mixed with Maleficent okay. in a way who's sort of like quite threatening yeah it was a joy <laughs> I love that Good. um where where are you actually originally from I know it's in Yorkshire but where exactly are you from so I'm from South Yorkshire I tell everybody it's Sheffield because I don't want to admit that it's Rotherham hey come on Rotherham <laughs> But it's Rotherham and I can't deny it, you know. And if I'm the thing that fixes Rotherham one day, then well, so be it. <laughs> so what when when you were growing up, what was it like growing up there? What was what was life like in Rotherham uh being you? Um life in Rotherham being me was uh, pretty crazy. At times very, very hard. I think like I was at the front of the rip curl of like people coming out and attitudes changing. And like, I look pretty butch and I'm a big softy. So that combination um, doesn't go well in secondary school. But, you know, I had mostly a good time, but I feel like I've always been at the front trying to like carve a path out for queer people. Not that I'm like anyway, no way being a savior. It just, I think, Times have moved along with the same time as my generation, if you know what I mean. And how old are you? I'm I'm 32. 32. So you're five years before me, um, after me rather, which does you know there there was a shift from that period because I'm sort of 14 and Queer as Folk comes out, and then over yeah. those kind of preceding <laughs> years, think things did start to move and there was more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. So. 
so that you know in terms of historically what's happening i can absolutely see that that's been part of your journey which is um yeah lots of very difficult conversations we're having were being had at that time as well really hard yeah because when we were like let's not be a secret anymore mm. like and that, that took a lot of courage so people that were of your like four years five years before me really laid down that groundwork and really had a bloody hard time because it was like there was no hole in the fence you know no no there wasn't and no and it, because of you know 2003 for england is when uh section 28 was repealed so then suddenly you know there was still that hangover and the shadow from it that schools felt like they couldn't talk about it and they you know which isn't actually what the legislation did you know it was specifically woolly the language that they used in order to create that fear that's my my uh uh view on it anyway you know it was specifically written in that woolly language to create fear rather than you know actual um an actuality you know it wasn't really about stopping you teaching about gay people or you know that they exist or they live it was more it was more about creating that feeling that i shouldn't talk about it yeah, yeah it carries so much shame you know you end up just mm. having to then try and navigate through holding all that on your shoulders it's a it's yeah, pretty nuts. And then, and then for people like me, there had been queer as folk, but like female representation in in that is almost completely missing. So, what was there for you to hook into as a young person? To be honest, like I, I, I've always felt like there was never any idols for me, and like the idols that I did cling to were just sort of feigning the successful areas of like queerness. So like, um, you know, Pink, Avril Lavigne, like these big characters, but okay. nobody is being, there is no big butch female sort of non-binary-esque mm. figure. And yeah, you just like, the, probably the closest person was the Trunchbull from Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as well, for people like us who are non-binary, there wasn't anybody talking about this stuff at all. That wasn't even a thing. You know, Never heard was, of it in high school. Yeah, mate. exactly. Never nobody was it. even thinking in that way because it was still yeah. just everything was so rigidly binary yeah. that you were people, unable to even... People were still getting over the sex scenes in Queer as Folk at that point <laughs> still, weren't they? I mean, I was getting off on the sex scenes in Queer It was off folk, to a great it, start, I mean, wasn't it? <laughs> They were like, oh, this series has started on Channel 4 by Nicola Schindler. You know when she's involved, it's going to be good. And then in the opening titles, like, it was, oh, yeah. Watching that with your family was interesting. You're blushing, yeah. babe. Look at you blushing. God. Do you know, because I, I can remember it at the time. And even, like, recently, I remember, how old am I now? 39, don't tell anyone. But last Christmas, watching um, Bohemian Rhapsody with my dad and then there's the kissing scene and I'm sort of looking out of this eye going, is he looking at it? Is he, he's looking at the screen. He's not looking at his phone or anything like this. <laughs> it's just like, but still today, even at my age, what on earth, why do I care? But yeah. I've had that... my equivalent of that was tipping the velvet. Yeah. When that came oh, out, I was that like, was whoa. Amazing. Whoa, yeah. mermaids. But it took forever. That took forever for anything like that to come along, didn't it? You know, you'd had kind of le lesbian and butch representation in uh, the 80s, 
but through um, Prisoner Cell Block H. And that was it. And then it was like, okay, we've done that now. We can all move on. We don't need to see any more of this. No more female queer people. Thank you. Shut that door. It was, I mean, oh what? A, until Brookside. What? Yeah, until well, Brookside. yeah, until Brookside. Really, wasn't it? I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the soaps do get involved, don't they? <laughs> so after you've, after you've gone through this, this time in uh, Rotherham and you've, you've spent that time uh, growing and becoming um, who, who, you know, a little bit more of an adult, where do you go from there? What's the next step from, from good old Rotherham? Where do you move on from there? Anywhere, don't you bear? <laughs> Get out of there. <laughs> I went to Manchester. I went to Manchester Met and I studied at the university and I did like contemporary performance making and that was mm. an absolute scream. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and then I was like, I should probably do a master's because I'm working class. I've got to university. I may as well get a master's degree now, <laughs> really. Give Rob them something for run for the money, Anna. So yeah, yeah. I did those, I did an MA and then I specialized like my stuff was like bending with gender and identity. And yeah, that's where that's where I made Louis was when I was doing my masters. I, I'm also a man met kid. Um yes, yes, but yeah. I was the crew in Alsager site. So we were in the middle of nowhere. And then I think it was the, maybe the year that I finished, which would have been around the time that you would have been starting. That's where I was, I was in crew. Were you? No, you were not. Oh, my God. I, I was going to ask that. Was it the same place? Yeah, I was in crew, babe. Loving life. <laughs> going, oh, here we go. Canal Street. Oh. Exactly. I, was like, I live on a bloody roundabout. Yeah. That's why I went to Salford. Honestly, like I considered Man Met and because of the campus, that is the only reason I didn't didn't apply. It was Maybe um... we should have read the brochure then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, so I think probably the year that I'd finished was when everything shifted to crew, but I was in Alsager, which was even smaller, you know, so it was literally like a quick save and a co-op, and that's it for Alsager. And then crew at least had some pubs and stuff that you could, you know, go and get a bit wild in. But still, crew is the only place where as a, you know, I've always been very uh, clearly a queer person. And I imagine this has been the same experience for you. Crew is the only place where I've had food thrown at me in the street. <laughs> oh my God, really? <laughs> it's definitely a choice is crew. <laughs> piece in it it is a whole piece yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking about it now and i'm like oh my god how many times i got on that bus to go to alsager hanging and having mm -hmm. to get off just before we turned into all saints campus because i was gonna throw up yeah <laughs> I mean, how far away is Crew from Rotherham? It's actually not that far, is it? I mean, in terms of the people, they don't feel that far away from each other. Really? Yeah, I think it's like a train ride, isn't it? Yeah, I only know Crew from changing trains. Yeah. Quick, get on, get on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I did, in fact, go quite to... I went to Wid near Widness at Christmas, but we were able to go to the pub at Christmas, so I was very happy. <laughs> yeah. I just sat there and looked at a sausage roll for a bit. <laughs> Childhood in Rotherham, just that's it. Just count the Greggs, babe, count the Greggs. <laughs> we see, we never had Greggs at home because I'm from Cornwall and you're not allowed to have a Greggs in Cornwall, you... apparently. 
there is some kind of law yeah or um i don't know how they've done it yeah it's definitely it's not allowed though it's wow allowed. oh my god i didn't it? know that i shout me going yeah. to cornwall <laughs> <laughs> not my kind of place no greg's Back to the drag, back to the drag, back to the drag, back to the drag. We t- Listen, I could talk about pasties all day long. I know, I love pasties, me. Um, <laughs> you were saying you've done a bachelor's. Sorry, what was the master's in? You've got your MA as well. Yeah, so that were contemporary performance making itself. So I did contemporary theatre and performance and then contemporary okay. performance making. And and that was what then triggered you into doing drag? or So how what was that journey like? How did you sort of end up going okay, this is kind of what I'm interested in and what the work that I want to be making. Um, it was like, I was just so confused. And I was sort of like, that generation that we talked about was like, I came out as bisexual at first. And I remember a gay woman saying to me, oh, you're not bi, you're just too scared to come out as gay. And then I felt like sort of like I had to now be gay because obviously like it was, she said, so it was like these times, it was like, do you remember those times? Yeah. Like, it was like that for a while. And so, like, that was the extent of, like, queer knowledge and queer, like, lexicon of sort of different types of words. And I were always, from very young, always felt like a boy and a girl, yeah. like a mix of it together. Like, it's something that's always just been happening, you know, like, I thought I should have been a boy. I thought I'd be quite a good boy. Um, like, and then when I got to do my master's, those feelings had not gone away. And I'm in my twenties and actually I felt really confused and it was just starting to talk about the idea of like queerness. And I was just starting to hear trans for the first time. And for me, it felt like something that like sort of like it penetrated me in a way because whilst I was at uni, my, I went to a doctor's appointment and he told me that my problem wasn't, I, I'd gone in like for a different problem and he told me that that wasn't my problem. My problem was that I was a man and that what I needed to do was to take a few weeks to ask my parents, my tutors, my girlfriend, if I had one and my friends, what gender I am. And that really blew the lid off all of that shit at that time. So I was at uni during then. And then when I went to my master's, I was still, yeah, it was a total head fuck and I was still not coping with that. And you know, my body, it's quite a big, big set body. So I've always been called a man. I've all, it's always been the first go-to insult that people have had. You hear it all the time and you also think it. And I just thought, you know what? I've got to make this final piece for my degree. And it, someone had said to me, art is a reflection of the world that you live in today, your experience and then your response. And I was experiencing, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be a bloke. I'm not sure what is going on here. I'm not sure if I'm trans. And for me, venturing down that drag route was a way of tussling with the complexities of dysphoria and dysmorphia. And I made this show uh, called The Limits of Lewis Cipher. And it was all, he was an investigative journalist at first, uh, American dude he was, uh, like a film noir, kind of seeing, talking like this. And his, <laughs> his job, was to weigh up straight people and gay people and work out who's the best and who's the right one. And so it was my way of like, I sort of got into like gender and identity, but with this mask on that allowed me to explore parts of me that I was suppressing that were causing me some serious pain, serious like harm. Um, 
and it was either that or just destroying myself I think I, I, I got to that point you know and I couldn't talk to anyone who did I even talk to I didn't even know what the difference between trans man and trans woman was at that mm. point but I, I was familiar with, with drag and I was working in like the Black Cap and Vauxhall Tavern and I was working as a bouncer cliche and then I was seeing everyone, bag of chips, Sandra, all coming through the door, and it was just such a male world. And I was like, mm. hang on. I sort of can sing. I'm really good at looking like a guy. Everybody keeps telling me in the street and the children. Mm. And there's no people doing this. Hang on, I think I found a niche in a hole in the market. I'm gonna fill it and occupy. And that was it. Like then I was like, boom, okay, let's let's do this. And it's so fun because I learned so much about masculinity and men. And I think I spent a lot of my time being very frightened of men because of the experience that I'd growing up. And being and doing drag allowed me to fall in love with men again and really understand the complexities of masculinity and the, the, the issues that like women have are not that far away from the issues that men have and <clears throat> we're just we're so different but so similar in our worries and things that we things that we hold inside secrets that we hold and by doing Louis allowed me to appreciate men more which is fucking beautiful I love it I really love it I've met so many nice people along the way that's good because I have yet to meet a man that I actually like <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No, you mentioned before the um, how you came up with your name as the combination of uh, it's got Lucy in it, hasn't it? Um, was that the, is that the first name that you came up with, or it was the did you go on a journey to to end up at Louis Cipher? Yeah, that was definitely the name because Lucy is like Latin for Lucifer, and I was feeling at that point like the Antichrist because I didn't <laughs> fit. I just didn't fit. I felt really bad. Everybody looked at me like a piece of shit. Everyone strangers told me what they thought about me in the street, mm -hmm. you know, and it all came down to like asking me if I'm a boy or a girl all the time. So Louis Cipher is like the third layer of like Lucifer. It's all like, oh. God, it's so, so complex. But it's all very thoughtful. I don't know why I made it so difficult. <laughs> no wonder people can't spell it. I can't fucking it. <laughs> but that's, you know, I think that your name as a drag artist, should kind of reflect a bit of what you do and a bit of what you're about. And so yours very clearly does that. You know, there is something more going on here. And if you care to look at it, you can find it out or work it out. And if you don't and you just want to take it as the surface, then that's also fine, which I, you know, I think a lot of drag is kind of like that anyway. If you want to take the surface, fine. That's your takeaway. But there are other things going on here if you care to look for them. That's exactly it. That's what. That's, that's why I haven't changed it. Because it's sort of, when people spell it wrong, it's like, how can you book me? Set, send me an email saying how much you love oh. what I do. Book me and then spell my bloody name wrong. Yeah, constant. Well, look, it doesn't get any better after you've been on TV. I'll tell you that for nothing. I mean, for a start, autocorrect does not like me at all so so that's fine and you know that will be the same with you <laughs> do you mean no i fucking don't leave it as it is <laughs> 
So if you were going to describe for somebody who's never seen it, because this is an audio, you know, offering. Um, so lots of people, you know, may not have experienced the joy of Lou, Louis. Um, so if you were going to describe Louis Cipher, the aesthetic and the performance style, how would you do that? What would be the way that you would kind of build up that picture for people? I would say he is a thick and thirsty, oh. sort of quite masculine, leather clad quite often, or wearing like camouflage army wear. He like messes around with what's supposed to be like hyper masculine and makes it like and repackages it in a way that is like approachable. Because while on the outside, he looks quite dominating and very heavy and like petrifying. He opens his mouth and he's like, all right, like he's having, <laughs> just having a good time. So it's sort of like, don't judge a book by its cover. But yeah, he wears a lot of leather. He's he's just going through a little transformation at the moment where we're just about to start playing with him and sending him into the future. So he's going to become a bit more dystopian with like a, a black eye and always with his red wig as a little more of a hat tip to Louis Cypher because I'm really sort of trying to help people with this name <laughs> it is becoming a thing for me but I want to like yeah cash in a bit more on the like devilish sort of nature of him but yeah he's chunky he's got a great ass and <laughs> but quite small feet <laughs> surprisingly small feet listen be careful with the red wigs that's all I'm going to say well Oh my god! <laughs> How is that work out for you? Have you done another red one yet, or is it just like is that they're all in the oh, bin now? You know how it is. You take you take shit and you turn it into gold, don't you? So I've taken my red wig and silver dress and I've turned it into gold, darling. Got EP. Got myself a Christmas special. Got myself a tour. Fuck you. Enough. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> best way to win it. That's what we do best. Exactly. Take what somebody tries to use to harm you and turn it into something that you can use, you know, something positive instead. Quite right. If someone doesn't know my gender now, I, I love it, me. I'm like, oh, it's a win. Yeah. I'm winning. It's, <laughs> it's like for me, what you're saying about the kids chimes with me so much because like I'll be out walking and, you know, they'll go, mummy, look at that lady over there. And I'm like, oh, I mean... I've literally hoisted my cock up as high as I possibly can in these pants so that everybody can see there is a cock here. And yet still, still, and it happens at the airport, it happens uh, in shops, it happens in the park, you know, it's, and you just go, okay, that isn't me. That's you and that's society and that's what you've been taught. And I have to kind of just go allow that to, to happen and those conversations to happen. And not worry about it because otherwise you just spend your whole life going. <laughs> yeah, and like you do for a while, don't you? And yeah. then you're like, oh, like ever since I've done Louis, I'm like, it, it, do, it just doesn't bother. It's like water off a duck's back now. I'm like, sorry, look, uh, don't call me pal. I'm on my day off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. That's brilliant. So we are we are in like a really sort of turbulent um, time politically and socially, and you you've been quite involved with women's rights uh, uh, issues and trans uh, rights and issues. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm just all about like people having enough freedom for them to 
be able to express themselves. And for me, I I actually lean more now on like more of like masculinist issues rather than feminist ones. Because okay. I think my experience, my experience in the scene, because I spent a lot of time when I won Drag Idol, I was doing mm-hmm. all the bars were all like heavily male dominated bars. And I got to see a really frightening side of like of, of gay male life. And I think for, it's just I saw a lot of uh, people destroy themselves through chemsex. And mm-hmm. it's something that's really rife on that scene at the moment. So, I mean, I think that comes a a lot off the back of the AIDS epidemic and unresolved shame over sexuality and stuff and how, like, toxic masculinity doesn't just begin and end with straight white men. Like, it leaks over and sort of infects everywhere. So, for me, I'm definitely more aligned over that side of the fence right now. I think there's there's enough women helping out women but there's no one turning back and going hey let's not just be like you know yeah okay there's there's you here and and all these issues and all these changes that happen in society that's great but mm-hmm. don't just now run with it as if like only your problems matter because of the shit ton back here you know like you look mm-hmm. at the suicide rate of men today and it is just it's a crisis it's an absolute yeah. crisis yeah. and it needs addressing and i'm not trying to speak for men but I feel like my little dip into that world has really made me not think that only women have problems. Mm. Yeah. And for for me, it's the way that those problems all intersect and collide with each other. It's, it's, you know, some of these problems are caused by some of these problems, which are then caused by some of these and some of the, you know, so there's this, this kind of confluence of everything overlapping on each other. And it's, it's such a difficult all of it's so difficult to try and unpick to go, okay, how do we actually start to address some of this? Um, yeah, and it needs people like us who who exist in both those worlds of like that non-binariness to say, okay, I'm in the middle here and I'm feeling it from both edges. Like, yeah. let's have some sort of, like you say, let's have a look at this overlap with great care and what work can we do here? Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm glad you're here because I'm absolutely shit at that. <laughs> I mean, you're really good, babe. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it's more I just can't be asked. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned a little bit about how you're, you know, on your way to doing other things. But is it strictly in drag that you perform? Um, or or are there other elements of what you're you're doing? Yeah, I perform out of drag as, as well. Like I lot, I work a lot in like theatre, and whilst uh, some of that is in drag, that's all. Like I feel like Louis got his own career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have mine, and he just sort of like hauls <laughs> out my body when he needs it. But I honestly feel like that, and he's doing much better than me right now. I'm getting quite frustrated with it. Everyone's come knocking on his door. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I am. Um, no, I, I work. I work out of drag as well, and do try to do normal acting, regular theatre. Straight acting. <laughs> Which I'm doing so well at that right now. <laughs> but you've made lots of stuff as well, haven't you? It's not like you're just you're just acting. You've made lots of stuff as well, haven't you? So the, um, I read about Joan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joan of Arc is one of my, like, I find her one of the most, her and Boudica are like my 
most interesting historical characters because they're they're both kind of that um like the opposite of what you think women should be that they go off to war and they fight and they but they also have like a deep spirituality about them um so maybe tell us something about joan is it would it would it ever come back or was it like a, a piece that would just sort of happened in that time and then that's it we've only just stopped doing joan it's toured for like five six years it was an absolute success and made it with milk presents leo skilbeck um who wrote it was an absolute joy to work with and craft it together and we were just trying to look at this queer icon because joan of arc is certainly a queer icon you can re you can paint whatever picture you want of joan of arc but the reality is is that she did not sit side saddle on that fucking horse babe. like <laughs> Do what you like, whatever makes you feel good. <laughs> this is a warrior. And we wanted to like make sure that we did a good hat tip. And and we sort of got to talk about queerness and non-binariness through the history of Joan. So we were like moving between what uh, what they were going through, the story of Joan of Arc, and making it relevant as if like Catherine, who is the um the saint that Joan of Arc believes they're seeing and he's visiting them as if they sort of had like a love between them, like a soft love um, and a really strong connection and that Catherine was encouraging Joan to be fully who they are without, you know, any stress about it. But it's, yeah, it was really great because we got to play like the Kushan who, um, who she got crowned as king, you know, Charles. Mm. And then we played like the lawyer, but I did those characters in drag. So I got to play like everyone in Joan's life, but we did it with that like drag king edge to it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was such a treat because you need to make sure that we do not allow the way that some of history is written to be seen as the correct view because it's just rubbish. Like people now even think that drag kings are new and they're just not it's been going on for centuries and yeah. like back in the music hall days the highest paid cabaret acts were drag kings yeah i mean yeah it's because they were the first time without like you know you they were wearing britches so you could see their ass and it filled out the crowds yeah fine fair enough but <laughs> nevertheless who doesn't love looking at an ass love at ass. who doesn't love that <laughs> But yeah, so no, I do a lot of devising as well. And uh, I, I think I, I'm being really lucky because I'm where I was in the fence of stuff before, like, you know, it was a really difficult time to be queer. Now I actually get to have a hand in how we tell those stories. And I get approached a lot for, you know, to do like discussions and chats and how can we, how can we start opening up these conversations more broadly? And that, for me, is worth all the shit that came before. To be honest, absolutely. You've got you've got your fingers in a lot of pies. You've done everything: writing, producing, acting, singing, the lot. Really, is there anything that you haven't done yet that you want to do? Oh gosh, um, loads. I bet still <laughs> loads. Just, just loads. I just love creating. Like I just uh -huh. love it, and I'll do whatever if it's. Sweeping up the stage, I'll get it done if it's something I like, you know? I don't care. I don't, I'm not in it for the glory. I'm in it for the ride, you know? Mm. This is it, oh, yeah. so wanky. What? No, that's, that's absolutely... But I'm, I'm the same. I bet Ricky's the same. You know, 
like you're saying, I'll sweep up the stage. I literally will sweep up the stage before I, you know, that is one of my sort of things that I like to do before because it needs to happen, you know? And I don't think that Jerry, because he's not on stage, should have to do that. No, that's part of my job is to prepare the space. So, like, I'm totally happy to do that stuff. Um which is always really weird when you're working in TV and something happens or something falls on the floor and you go and pick it up and they're like, oh, um, uh, and you're like, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I'm a fucking human being as well. Production, when you say thank you to production, like, and you're just like really grateful to them and like, <laughs> thanks so much for your hard work today, yeah. guys. Like, it must have been really hard putting that two-ton set up. And yeah. then look at you like, what yep. do they want? <laughs> it's a whole team doesn't it it takes yeah, a whole yeah, team and yeah. I think I've done so many things because I've tried to do a lot myself whereas now I'm like in my 30s I'm actually starting to find the joy in working with others and it's so lovely it's so nice I think I was so I was a bit guarded and, and shielded before but now I'm like yeah god yeah composer sure here's some lyrics let's make something magic like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it is hard, isn't it, being a creative and working in a team? And um, what have you, what have you got coming up that we can look forward to? Well, I think we're going to be reopening Death Drop, and then there's talk of a little uh, tour with that. So that's Ooh, okay. exciting. And I'm just putting in. Uh, so I want to keep fingers and cro- toes crossed for me. I'm just putting in uh, develop your creative practice funds with the Arts Council, and I'm asking them for a lot of money so that I can work with choreographers, vocalists, more composers, work with someone in virtual reality so that I can get this idea. So I can find my team, basically. Mm. I want to have a team and I want us all to make something special. That sounds, I'm excited about that. And then you also have, uh, should it happen, I imagine it will because I can't see them closing the globe, you will be in a 12th night, is this correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whoa. Believe it. Can you believe it? Well, that, that is why I'm starting to tell everyone I'm from Rotherham again. Because I'm like, <laughs> oh, me at the Globe. Oh, yes, where are you from? <laughs> Rotherham, South York. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. I, I think it's mad because I'm a working class kid. Like, you know, I was the first one in my family to go to university and acting is what I wanted to do. And people tried yeah. to ridicule me and say I was uncastable because it was too much. And, well, who is laughing now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. So, apart from Rotherham, where can everybody find you? Oh, I'm in London now, babes. I'm in London. You can find me online. You can add me on uh, Instagram at MixLewisCypher. Make sure you spell it right. <laughs> uh, and and you can see me around my usual haunts, Royal Vauxhall Tavern. I work a lot with Camden People's Theatre. So, yeah, keep an eye out. Amazing. Thank you so much for chatting to us today, Louis. It's been a joy. My pleasure, babe. Been awesome. Thank you so much, Louis. Cheers. Cheers, Well, we have come to the end of the episode. This has been Fierce Slay Talk. You can join us on our journey by following us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Fierce Slay Talk. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us going on. We could talk for hours. And if you enjoyed the show, let your friends know. Go on, spread the word. Be sure to review the podcast as well. Till next time. You want it. You got it. I won't hold back. Come snatch it. Come take it. All yours right off the rack. No wanting. No waiting. 
you shake me down. You touch it, you taste it. Come take me here and now. Try it and buy at the top of the stack. Bag it and snag it, no need to attack. Instant and present, hit go and play back. Right now, right now. Take it and tame it, walk me to the door. Have it and hold it, you only want more. Live it and love it, you've got it, it's yours. Right now, right now.